Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console. Xbox. I'm said host Jesse DeRosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 4th 2021 including MLB The Show 21 has officially been announced for Xbox consoles signaling the first ever PlayStation first party game to come to Microsoft's game consoles. Drew Murray is leaving the initiative. EA is bringing back their beloved NCAA football franchise and more. Welcome to another week of Xbox On. You guys might remember last week I told you we adopted a kitty. Her name is Lala. That's what I call her. I guess her proper name is Lavender, but she's sitting underneath the desk as she was last week taking a nap right now, but unfortunately she's got a bit of a cold. Apparently this is pretty common when you adopt pets is that shelters are pretty disgusting and awful, so they have, you know, just viruses and germs running around. A lot of the animals generally have like pets and uh, colds and things like that, like just upper respiratory colds or just like common colds, whatever. And so she didn't really show any signs of it the first few days we had her, but she started to uh, have this like eye swell up reddening problem that's common with colds and she was sneezing a lot. So we took her to the vet the other day, which kind of sucks because she was just finally starting to trust us a little bit. And when we brought her to the vet, she got really mad at us and definitely lost all faith. So now she's right back to being afraid of us and hiding all the time. But the vet said she'd be fine so long as she just eats food, drinks water, you know, and, and rests. Gave us some eye drops and stuff for for her as well as some, like, nasal drops. And, man, it's just, it's just so sad because right now she's sleeping and I can just hear her kind of stuffy nose as she's trying to breathe. And it's just so sad because she's such a cute little cat, but... Hopefully she'll be well soon enough. We got her medicine. She's eating. So that's everything I guess we can do right now. But with that said, it's another week of Xbox on. Everything's just feeling a little different right now because we got the cat here. My little recording setup is in a in a state of flux right now. My girlfriend is starting to work from home. So things are just, uh, just a little different here. But you no, know, it hasn't changed is the fact that this is the show where I talked to the microphone all about the Xbox. You guys comment in all about the Star Wars and the drive-thru, and, and we, we do our back and forth. So with that said, let's jump into this week's opening segments. I want to address a couple of corrections or things about last week's episode, if you if you don't mind real quick. So first of all, last week, when, when I was recording the show, it was around the time that a whole GameStop, you know, um, Wall Street, Stocks, crazy story fiasco thing was was starting to break loose it was really in its early developing stages when I was getting ready to record last week and so I thought about trying to put in there for a second but I was like you know the second I hit record I'm going to wake up the next day the podcast is going to be live and the story is going to be 10 steps developed from where it was yesterday so it makes no sense and then as I continued to think about it I was like I don't even want to cover it on next week's episode because this really has nothing to do with gaming it's not a gaming related story whatsoever um, like there's nothing like GameStop was the victim or the, or the, the stock, if you will, that was just a, that was just attached to the story. But really this has absolutely nothing to do with Xbox or the gaming ecosystem whatsoever. It's, it has to do with 
with, with, the, with the stock market. So it's kind of a totally different story, despite the fact that GameStop is somehow roped into all of it. And then lastly, the most important reason why I really didn't want to bring it into the news, aside from the previous two I mentioned, is, is just because I'm too financially illiterate with these sorts of things to, to speak on it in any meaningful way. I don't want to, you know, just like blow smoke up your ass and be like, yeah, okay, cracks knuckles. Let's talk uh let's talk the, the 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 stock market right now, okay? So I just figured it would be kind of boring and disingenuous and just also really unsatisfying to hear me just meander about trying to discuss in some way uh this whole story about GameStop and the stock market and and, and all that. So we're just uh we're just staying out of that story. Again, it's just not really gaming news, but nonetheless, I wanted to bring that up so if you're wondering why hasn't he said anything on this, now you know. The other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is just a straight-up correction. So Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Pereira wrote in and says, Hi, Jesse. Great show. I took Strictly Gaming's content last week as you play a lot of games. What is your gamer score? Not that you only play a few games. Anyway, keep it up. Hope they open the borders soon and we can all get back to Florida. Um, so thank you for writing in with this, Emmanuel. I, so for those who may be like, what are you talking about? Last week, Strictly Gaming wrote in and... And with this whole comment, and, and I, I interpreted his question as, or his comment as, like, you don't seem to play a lot of games. And then he went on to talk about gamer score. And then I just jokingly, of course, went off on a little rant, just, like, yelling at him a little bit, saying, hey, what do you mean I don't play a lot of games? Of course I play a lot of games, blah, 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 blah. I was just having fun. I, I wasn't really upset in any way. But I did want to bring this up, that apparently not only was my whole little rant just, just not funny, but apparently... I was I was yelling about something you weren't even saying because I I I may have misinterpreted what it was you were trying to what it was that you were initially trying to even say. So I do want to bring that up as well. So I'm sorry, strictly gaming, if you felt like I blew up on you for for no good reason and also misinterpreted your question. And thank you, Emmanuel, for bringing that up. But then again, maybe maybe I didn't misinterpret it. Maybe I was right. And Emmanuel, you're misinterpreting my interpretation of strictly gaming, which means in that case. My blowing up rant that was levied to Strictly Gaming now is being extended to you. So how do you like that, Emmanuel? So that's it for our little corrections. I just wanted to bring up. But with that out of the way, let's get into our proper comments section, you guys, uh, where, of course, you can head over to YouTube.com slash second best gaming or not slash. I don't think I'm popular enough that you can do slash and it will take you to my channel. You just do YouTube.com. Look up the channel second best gaming. You'll find me there. And I have an Xbox on playlist. That's where you'll find the latest episode. So you can leave a comment and then we can uh, talk all the fast food shit. We're going to talk. Our first comment this week comes from Zeke Robinson, who is my nephew, who says, I love the idea of a community game night. That would be a ton of fun. And then my mom follows up and says, you should do the community game night. Sounds like fun so no these are not bots these are family members and according to both of them i should do a community game night as we discussed the other week about potentially doing like um like like community halo night or something like that i don't know but even though i said that's not something i'm looking into doing right this minute it does seem like my family is on board which means i think i you know i, I mean if if your family's telling you to do something i think that means they you know they know what's best for you. You know, it's like it's like when it's like when your mom tells you as a little kid, like, oh, you're the most handsome boy in the world. It's like, well, like, clearly you must be the most handsome boy in the world. Your mother wouldn't lie to you. Why would what benefit would your mother have lying to you about you being more attractive than Chris Hemsworth? So clearly I must be the most handsome boy in the world. And I kind of interpret these comments from my family members here in a similar vein where it's like. It, it would be a ton of fun if I did a community game night. So I guess everyone would have a great time and that 
there's no reason why I shouldn't do a community game night. And by that, I don't know, by extension of that, I, I guess I'm just maybe, maybe I'm cut out to be one of the greatest Twitch streamers of all. This isn't an ego stroke whatsoever. This is a calling. So I want to say thanks, thanks to my mom and thanks to my nephew for bringing to light how fucking amazing I am that I'm extremely handsome and I'd be a great Twitch streamer. So thank you guys. Now update on last week's Halo, uh, Halo Call of Duty comment. So Havoc wrote in last week and kind of mentioned in passing throughout his comment that Halo's become more like Call of Duty. Call of Duty's become more like Halo over the years. And I, I went off a little bit on Havoc and said, what the hell are you talking about? Please explain yourself. How the hell has Call of Duty become more like Halo? Please explain that to me. And so Havoc, you know, at my behest, has has responded and has something to say for himself. So let's get into it. You say, Havoc, you say, uh, sorry, I should have went into more details. Yes, you should have. Better be sorry. Uh, you say, Black Ops 3 and Halo Reach were very similar, in my opinion. Jetpacks didn't belong in Call of Duty or Halo either. I don't want you to think that I hate Halo because I don't. I love that franchise. When Halo came out, me and my buddies would put our giant 15-inch TVs on our skateboards and Xbox in our backpacks, meet at one of our houses, and, and system link four Xboxes with 16 players getting down to four-way split-screen gameplay. It's roughly like 3x3 three three or 4x4 four four inches. Can't remember. Halo 2 was the best one ever made. Online multiplayer uh, vicinity talk and teabagging is where it was at. Ha ha ha. As I stated before, I highly respect your opinion on Halo 5. It actually made me want to go back and play the campaign. I am truly hoping that Infinite brings Master Chief back to his bat to the badass he is. So, Havoc, thank you for coming back and, and going through what, you know, elaborating on what you said last week. But, you know, with all due respect, Havoc, I don't think just for the simple fact that Black Ops 3 had, like, that weird, like, jetpacky jump and the fact that Halo Infinite had jetpack suddenly means that the games became more and more like each other. I mean, I guess I can see what you're saying, because when I play Black Ops 3 and I get the little floaty jetpack jump thing it has, I'm immediately reminded of Destiny, and it's kind of like jump, jetpack jump type thing it has. But then I'm like, oh yeah, Destiny is like that because Halo Reach was like that, and Halo Reach was like that because Bungie was like contractually obligated to do one more Halo on their way out the door from working with Microsoft, and they're like, huh, might as well use this as like a testing ground for some mechanical ideas we have for our new thing we're working on after Halo, and that's kind of why I think there's a lot of DNA between like Halo Reach and, and Destiny, but I just, I feel like, yeah, that's like one distinct mechanic. I don't think like that alone is enough to be like, yeah, Halo's become more like Call of Duty and Call of Duty's become more like Halo. I, I think, if anything, jetpacks are just badass and everyone wanted to put jetpacks in their game. But no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I Listen, I'm glad jetpacks aren't Halo anymore. I was fine with it for Reach. For Reach in particular, especially because you weren't playing as Master Chief, I took no issue with uh, jetpacks. But when it comes to... But when it comes to Halo 4, that's why I was a little bit like, okay, time for the jetpacks to go. That is, you know, I, I always defend 343's Halo games, but I will be really honest. One one thing I will I will definitely criticize 343 with is when it came to Halo 4, it felt like they didn't really know what to do with these leftover mechanics from Halo Reach. And so they're like, yeah, I guess we'll just keep, you know, we'll make run permanent, which I was okay with. Uh, but we'll make like the jetpack and like the shield and all those things like kind of optional equipment that you can pick up. And I was not a fan of that. I wish they had just let that be a one and done thing for Reach. I hate that they had to bring that into Master Chief's kind of universe, if you will. But uh, I mean, it's one of my larger gripes actually with 343's Halo. But 
overall, I don't think it's a huge deal. It was just for that one game anyway. But I, I do see the point you're trying to make now. I appreciate you elaborating. Havoc, you are absolved of your sin. And I and and, and uh just just watch your just watch your tongue next time. You know, think twice before you go around spreading misinformation about my precious Halo. Now, as far as your thing here about the skateboards with the TVs and the Xboxes and the backpack and hanging out with your friends and the 16 link. This sounds like some awesome, like 1999, 2002 kind of like badass, like some 41, like, like, like a teen Nick kind of like dream scenario where like kids are just like drinking Dr. Fizz or whatever off brand soda that the TV network sprang for and, uh, and just like playing, you know, their game spheres with their rock music and, and I'm sitting there wondering, wow, I, I will things always be this great? And then you fast forward to 2020, and now music is just fucking club beats with people ripping off other songs and hip hopping over them, and and uh, people dress like they're fucking spending ninety dollars on t-shirts from Goodwill, and every fucking store looks like, as my friend Hunter puts it, a pottery barn. So, I, I no, no, the 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 answer is the the future got a lot fucking lamer. People stopped socializing, we stopped getting near each other, we started just engaging via the internet. We don't even fucking talk to our friends anymore. We just, we just tweet at them. I don't even know what I'm going on about, but thank you for reminding me that life used to actually be objectively cooler, uh, 15 years ago. So thanks Havoc. You just reminded me how much life sucks now. Thanks. All right. Uh, now on to the utter chaos and disorder, which is the, the rest of the comments. Since this week, there didn't seem to be as much like coherency to the comments. Usually it seems like you guys want to talk about, a couple subjects, so I'll have a couple comments for each subject, but this this week, y'all just talked about whatever the hell you wanted, and that's fine. So let's get into that real quick. I say real quick as if the, the comments aren't going to take the first hour of the show. But anyway, Sweaty Bandito writes in and says, I agree the way Disney fumbled Finn's character in Star Wars was was a massive missed opportunity. The studio rushed the sequel trilogy and didn't take any risks. Plus, J.J. Abrams has a history of throwing ideas and characters into his projects that never pay off. Example, Lost. Well, I never watched Lost, so I can't speak to that. But uh, So now we're left in the, with another three entirely forgettable Star Wars movies, uh, but without the memes. They should have just gone balls to the walls and added a scene where John Boyega give, gives Oscar Isaac a Force-sensitive handjob. I, I love that idea. That would have been memorable. Hard left turn, but... Uh, I was wondering if you have any future plans to visit any theme parks outside the U.S. I've been to Disneyland, Hong Kong, and Paris, and the plan was to visit more until last year happened. Fuck you, COVID. So, well, thank you for writing in, Sweaty Bandito. Uh, great great comment, uh, especially that part about where you kind of armchair uh, wrote in the scene where Finn gives Poe Dameron a, a Force-sensitive hand job. I think we all would have enjoyed seeing that. I, I mean, I think I think I speak for everyone, you know, when I say that Oscar Isaac and John Boyega are by far the most attractive actors in possibly in Star Wars history, but most definitely in the new run of Star Wars movies. So I think even the most homophobic of, of, of viewers would have gotten a little something out of watching Finn and Poe Dameron do a little Force-sensitive handjob. So I do appreciate you putting that image into all of our minds just now. Uh, but yeah, I mean... We talked a lot about Star Wars the past few weeks. It seemed like whatever it was that we said about Star Wars, it, it got a lot of you in the uh, Star Wars mood. So I I feel like this is a nice little a nice little bow on the on the multi episode long Star Wars conversation we've been having. But yeah, I mean, fuck, J.J. Abrams, like 
did such a great job with Force Awakens, did such a bad job with with Last Jedi or not Last Jedi, but uh, Rise of Skywalker. And and you can and you can argue all day about you know you can speculate all day about who's really to blame for that, whether it's him or or the or Lucasfilm or Disney or whatever. But yeah, that movie just fucking sucked. It it, it wastes all the good characters and it tries to build its own story and forget everything else and just it, it fucking sucks. Sorry, Lethal Migraine. That that Rise of Skywalker objectively sucks. Anyway, but yeah, as for your other question, which is a less controversial, uh, you say, have I? Do I have any plans to visit theme parks outside the U.S.? Oh, absolutely, of course, Sweaty Bandito. Of course, I do. I've, man, I've spent like my entire fucking life just like on the internet researching all the theme parks I can't go to because I'm trapped here in the uh, good old U.S. of A. But I mean, I want to. My all my dream vacations involve there. There's only two dreams I have when it comes to traveling the world. A lot of people want to like, like I know, especially here, like for Americans, the most popular response when when someone's like, "Oh, where if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go?" They always say something fucking like cliche, like, "I want to go to Paris, France, and drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and piss in the streets like they do, and and uh, and eat croissants and all that shit," or like they want to go to like. Italy and eat a bowl of pasta and feel culture because they have a lot of old history or they want to go to the, they want to go to the UK or something like that just because it's comfortable that they don't have to learn a new language and that way they can feel like they traveled by while not actually getting too far out of their comfort zone because I don't think our friends across the pond are that culturally different than we are. So it's, it's like, it's like a, the diet version of traveling abroad, I, I feel like. Um, and so you get a lot of responses like that. For me, I don't have a response where it's like, oh, I'd love to go to this country because I'm just so enamored. Actually, that's a lie. Japan's that answer for me, although Japan's a pretty cliche answer as well. But the the 99% of the places I want to go or the things I want to do when it comes to like traveling has to do with theme parks. With the exception of like Route 66, that's like my dream vacation is just to do the entire Route 66 drive, take like a full, a full month, rent a car and just like drive from, from California to Chicago and just do the whole Route 66 drive. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, 99% of like the trips I want to take have to do with going to theme parks. I want to go to like every theme park I can, both in the country and outside the country. I don't care if it's Disney. I don't care. You know, I don't care if it's as something as like high quality as Disney or if it's something as like cheap and budgety as like your local, your local like Six Flags park. I, I want to just go to every theme park I can. I really enjoy themed entertainment, particularly theme parks and, uh, that's yeah, that's a huge thing of mine. So I've, I mean, I've always been like, my whole life I've been learning about like all the parks internationally that I can't get to, and and I've always been enamored with these things. So yeah, I mean, I of course with Disney being my favorite, that's like highest on the bucket list is like visit every international. You know, I want to go to every Disney park in the world, of course. So if I had to rank them, I mean, I definitely want to do Tokyo, the most. Tokyo looks phenomenal, and then from there it's like significantly. It more like close between the other options. I maybe maybe say Tokyo, Paris, Shanghai, Hong Kong, if if that order makes sense. And those are all the international Disney resorts. Uh, yeah, but I, I fuck yeah, I want to go to them so badly. And I, I assume that's something you know. Hopefully later in life, maybe when I'm in my 30s, a little more settled into careers and, and things like that. I'm a little more a little more like uh, you know just kind of self sufficient and independent and, and established as an adult. Maybe. I'll be able to make those trips, but I mean, the only, the only like real serious trip I've ever made was I, I flew to California to go to Disneyland. Uh, that was like four years ago now. Um, and I mean, to those who don't live in the United States, like the flight from like Florida, Georgia, Southeast United States, all the way over to the West coast, California, 
I mean, that's that's a lot of distance. That's that's like, you know, that's that's basically like traveling to a different country just in terms of like the sheer gap in in distance between the locations. So that's like the biggest trip I've ever taken was going to California, and I pretty much spent the whole week in Disneyland. And while I don't regret it uh, because I had such a great time, I I do want to go back and experience more parks. Like, see, I don't want to go to L.A. and experience all the bullshit like movie history, whatever shit. I don't care about Hollywood and all that bull crap. What I care about is like going back so I can do more Disneyland so I can go to Knott's Berry Farm so I can go to Six Flags Magic Mountain and things like that theme parks. So yes, I definitely would love to go outside the US especially for theme parks. Right now obviously at the time of this recording, Super Mario or Super Nintendo World at Universal Osaka in Japan is about to open, so that's a huge huge theme park related international attraction that I'm extraordinarily jealous that I can't be a part of or experience right now. So yeah, tons and tons of, I I assume the majority of the international travel that I will experience in my life will have to do a lot more with riding roller coasters and, and, and eating theme park cheeseburgers and have a lot less to do with experiencing other cultures and and things like that so i'm uncultured swine like that uh, lethal migraine says i heard a couple of days ago on some xbox podcast first of all lethal migraine you're only listening to my podcast so don't don't even lie here don't even say some other xbox podcast like you fucking know of another xbox podcast but you heard a couple of days ago on some quote-unquote other xbox podcast uh, that vicarious visions is working on a remaster slash remake of Diablo 2. You know what, Lethal Migraine? I've heard that as well um, from other podcasts, not Xbox-related, of course, because conflict of interest. But no, all joking aside, I, I, I've i heard this rumor as well. I don't even know why I didn't mention it in the show notes yes, or last week. But yeah, apparently that is the rumor Vicarious Visions is working on a Diablo 2 port or remake or whatever. But I don't give a shit. Like, that's not a good enough reason to take Vicarious Visions away from Activision and put them with Blizzard because... I know people love Diablo 2. I know it's a very beloved game, but, like, come on, guys. Vicarious Visions worked on, like, Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk, Spider-Man. They made Spider-Man 2, the 2004 Spider-Man game that, like, is, like, highly regarded as, like, the best Spider-Man game of all time. Like, Vicarious Visions is a damn good developer, and they deserved more than just being, like, put on support duty over at Blizzard. So, fuck that shit. Now, my brother says... I don't think that the Resident Evil Village multiplayer thing is because Resistance from Resident Evil 3 failed. Uh, I think what happened is that they decided to just attach a unique multiplayer mode with each new Resident Evil game. It isn't overly surprising anyway. Resident Evil 5 had a Mercenaries mode. Also, keep in mind the longest Resident Evil game is like six hours long, so they can feel long because you don't know what you're doing, but honestly, these games are pretty short. The multiplayer adds value. So actually, that's, that's a pretty fair point I hadn't considered, which is, you know, it could just be... That whole thing of like Capcom really wants to continue to justify making Resident Evil a 60 or $70 complete AAA game. But just because the sheer fact that they are shorter, smaller, bite-sized kind of AAA games, they may feel like some pressure to add in a secondary mode just to kind of inflate the value and justify the 60 or $70 price tag. So that's actually a pretty good point. I hadn't really considered, but that's entirely true that that's, that's what they're doing. But I kind of stand by my point that I think they see themselves as like, or resident evil is like the king of horror and they don't like being outdone in the horror space with the likes of like these four V one games, like the, um, what dead by daylights and things like that. So my guess is that they want to have their own dead by daylight so they can compete and dominate in that space. But 
Maybe both of us are right. I don't fucking know. Now, Lethal Migraine wants to let us all know that he just pre-ordered a Samsung Galaxy S21 Plus Ultra. So, he's excited about that. You know, by the time you're hearing this, Lethal Migraine, I hope your Galaxy S21 Plus Ultra has arrived and that you're enjoying it already. I'm I'm excited for you. You know you, you know I'm a I'm a consumer tech enthusiast and that in particular with like phones and computers and things like that. I really enjoy that stuff. So, I'm I'm just happy for you because I know what an exciting feeling that is. And also, Samsung Galaxy uh, S21 looks like a great lineup of phones. So I'm sure you're in for a pretty awesome treat. Although, isn't that the phone that basically just renders the Galaxy Note like a useless device? So I am pretty interested to see if that if that ends up kind of like replacing the Samsung Galaxy Note because now they've got just two massive phones that just release at different times of the year that are all for like S Pen and, and productivity and just beefy hardware. So we'll, we'll see. Also, Lethal Migraine wants us all to know that one time you say, as for Taco Bell, I went there one day uh, for some nacho fries. They were all out of fries, all out of chicken, all out of soft shells. Ridiculous. Lethal Migraine, that's, that's pretty fucking ridiculous. That... Maybe one-ups my story from that time I went to Taco Bell and they were just out of beef, which is like, what? But uh, yeah, I mean, fucking Taco Bell, get it together, man. We'll, we'll talk about Taco Bell in a little bit, as you probably knew we would. Now, Joe Murphy wants us all to know that Cyber Shadow is so good for now. I've played about an hour of it. I'm planning to buy the newest COD game from GameStop. My birthday food is Taco Bell for lunch and dinner. I ate Taco Bell every birthday of mine since I was 16 years old. My first job was working in a Taco Bell, so I love their food. Disneyland is the best over Disney World, in my opinion. For that, it's because it's the original one. Plus, I've never been to Disney World. One day I'll get there. I really like your show. Thank you for spending your Wednesdays talking to yourself for us. I listen to it every Friday morning. Xbox Game Pass is the best, and today being the 28th is a good day to have Game Pass. So, Joe, I appreciate you writing. That's a lot of disjointed comments, but all welcome comments nonetheless. So, thank you for that. Um... Cyber Shadow is really good, and we'll get to that in a little bit. As for you buying the new COD game, do it, man. Just fucking buy Black Ops Cold War. Don't listen to the sheep, man. It's a good fucking game, uh, and it's and it's really awesome that Taco Bell is your is not only your birthday food of choice, but the fact that you also worked at Taco Bell and you're still able to love and enjoy that food, I think, is just such a testament to the quality and the and the enjoyability of the Taco Bell menu. So that's pretty awesome. Now, you say Disneyland's your favorite, and I respect that. I think Disneyland is an objectively better park. You know, Disneyland Park is a better park than Magic Kingdom, which is like the Florida Disneyland. But if we're talking about resorts, man, Disney World, I think, is a way superior resort. Just Not even just because of the sheer size and amount to do within that complex, but like, oh, man, Disney World is just so fucking good, man. Let me... Let me, guys, it, why don't you go ahead, go onto YouTube, and give this video a thumbs up, okay? If you like this video, give it a thumbs up. If we can get to 275 billion thumbs ups by the end of the week, I'm going to start a Disney podcast called Xbox Off. It's about everything I talk about when I'm not talking Xbox, which is pretty much Disney, but then again, I guess I'm also talking about food. I have three things I talk about. There's Disney, there's video games, and there's food. So there's Xbox On, which is when we're talking about the Xbox, Xbox Off when we're talking about the theme parks, and then there's when I'm stuffing my face with Taco Bell. So I think those should be my the trifecta, the three podcasts I do. Let me know what you think about that. Let's get to 14 billion likes on this video, and and then maybe you can support me on Patreon and I'll get those podcasts going. So thank you for that comment, Joe. And as you alluded to, 
January 28th, hopefully you were enjoying the medium, because that's obviously the day that game came out, so that's, I assume, what you're referring to. Now, Xburk comes in and says, Good day, Jesse DeRosa. Using the full name, look at that. Good day. Uh, I've been catching up on your podcast and wanted to check in. To recap, I recently provided sound advice on killing your hot dog urge by ambushing IKEA's cafeteria. While you mentioned it may be a while, it was great to hear the commitment on your behalf in this regard. Let me just stop right there because I'd like to actually say something before we go on with this comment. So the other day, my girlfriend, she was going to her work office to pick up some equipment because she's working from home, whatever, whole thing. But that's not relevant. What's relevant is she had to pass Ikea to get to her work's office. So she's like, you know what? I'm not usually in this end of town. Might as well stop by on my way back home and hit up the Ikea. She was looking for a little shelf um, so she could hide her plants from the cat or something like that. I don't don't know, don't care. Uh, long story short, she didn't find the shelf she was looking for. It was sold out. Doesn't matter. The point is she went to Ikea. And when she told me that, the first thing that sparked in my mind was your comment about the hot dogs at Ikea. And a part of me was like, shit, I want to go with you to Ikea uh, because I, it was a day I, I took I took the day off work that day. So I happened to be home and I was like, shit, I want to go with you so I can hit up the Ikea hot dog uh, place. But you know I've been counting my calories lately. So I kind of already budgeted in that I wanted to use Friday night as like a, as like a cheat night, pig out night. So I ended up not doing that, but I did want you to know that she mentioned Ikea and it made me think of you. And I just, I guess I want to let you know you're on my mind. Now, continuing on with your comment, you say on the flip side, I'd actually like to thank you for your recent advice before a few weeks ago. I had never experienced far cry. I realized this opens me up to a ton of your hatred of Taco Bell type rulings, but if you would please, but if it would please the court, I don't give a shit. To set the record straight, I'm a 51-year-old gamer who experienced the console launch of Pong. To this day, I resemble a crack addict yearning the euphoria as I did on as I did on that glorious day. That being said, my business and nine-year-old daughter might take center stage. I have no choice. I have to be extremely picky before I can change into my true self. Uh, an immersion whore. Uh, <laughs> okay. At any rate. As you highly recommend the Far Cry series, you stated that the first choice would be your f- your favorite. I went with Far Cry 5 to take advantage of my Series X, but I trust it didn't matter in the end. Jesse, I'm always longing for games that captivate me, such as Red Dead Redemption 2 or the original Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. Far Cry fit the bill to a T. There's one thing these games have in common, to myself at least. They provide the longest spurs of forgetting you're playing a video game. That is the test for success. In the end... It was your passion that sold me on the Far Cry. For that, I thank you. Well, Xberg, I really appreciate that comment because, honestly, at the end of the day, with if I can make this sound not corny, that's that's why this podcast is here is because I, I feel passion for these things I like, and I like to share that passion with you guys while also casually insulting you and being so dry with my sarcasm that you might not even be able to understand if I'm actually being a total dickhead or just making a lighthearted joke. So I do appreciate that comment. Uh, X Burke, and hope you really enjoyed Far Cry 5. If you can find it in you to try another one this series, highly recommend Far Cry 3 or 4. I, like you mentioned, like that I mentioned, um, yes, I think for most p- people, it seems to be like whatever Far Cry you started with is the one that you seem to favor. That's how it works for most people. Um, but man, oh man, I love Far Cry 4. So if, you, if you're feeling another one, you know, hey, it's there. But uh, that being said, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed that. To me, that's the most important thing about a game as well is just the immersion usually in the story or the world. But yeah, to just actually like give a shit about what you're doing and to not 
not just find it fun, but to also find yourself invested in it. And I, I assume that's what anyone really likes about a game. But you mentioned that it provides the true test for success, which is those long spurs of forgetting that you're playing a video game. I think that's like ultimately the key to whether or not you're making a, a good game is like, it's like, can you trick the player into thinking that they're not doing the same repetitive bullshit over and over again and make them actually believe that they're having like this constantly evolving and unique experience that's not in some way like limited by, you know, the parameters of what the developers have created. So I, I agree. That's that's that, that is the truest test for success with the game is making you forget that's a, a video game or that you're limited in any way and just kind of bringing you into the world. So cool. Badass Lord Tipsy. You know him. You love him. Maybe you even dated him if you're uh, one of his ex ex partners. I don't fucking know who you are. Jesse, I really hope you left a generous tip for that wonderful server that brought a big bottle of ketchup for you at the bar the other night. That was really nice of them. Probably a huge fan of the show. Well, aren't you just so funny, badass Lord Tipsy, for uh, bringing up the fact, for those who don't know, which is probably the overwhelming majority of you, because I imagine you guys probably have better things to do with your lives than follow me on Twitter, but... I tweeted out the other night, speaking of last Friday night, I went to the Splitsville Luxury Lanes down at the Disney Springs. It's one of my all-time favorite restaurants. And I was there. We're sitting on the top floor. There's the bar, and the restaurant's completely empty, and it's nice, and the social distancing is, is good. And I'm sitting there. And my girlfriend and I are about to you know, enjoy this cheat meal. I'm going to have the fucking loaded fries with the bacon and the ranch and the cheese and everything on top. And, and we got the uh, sushi coming on the way, and we got the fucking tropical cocktail thing there. Everything's good in the world, right? Like I hear Jimmy Buffett in the in, in the back of my head and I know I'm on island time. I just know everything's going to be all right if only for that moment. And then the fucking server comes by and goes and drops. A, oh, I'm sorry, Kitty. I'm sorry if that scared you. But she drops a fucking bottle of Heinz ketchup on the table. I'm like, who asked for this? This is so uncalled for. You think just because I'm eating French... Let, let me explain this to you. Because I know some of you are ketchup defenders. That's fucking fine in its own context. Actually, it's not. But let's let's pretend it's fine for a second. I'm eating loaded fries. It's one thing if I'm eating plain-ass, just salted French fries. And you're like, maybe this customer wants some ketchup. Here's some ketchup. But listen, I'm not eating regular fries. I'm eating loaded fries. Let me tell you what's on these goddamn fries. There's queso cheese. There's ranch dressing. There's scallions. There's bacon bits. And then, of course, this, the fries themselves are already seasoned and salted. So what makes you fucking think I look at that mound of beautiful fries and go, you know what this is really missing is some goddamn ketchup. Like, what the fuck? Who gets a Big Mac from a... You know, it's one thing to get, like, a regular cheeseburger and be like, let me put some ketchup on this. And that, but it's a totally different thing to be like, hey, McDonald's, can I get a Big Mac with the signature Big Mac sauce? So like, yeah, here's your Big Mac with Big Mac sauce. And you're like, this is great, but you know what it needs? Fucking ketchup. It's like, why didn't you just get regular a regular burger at that point? So why, if I wanted ketchup, I would have gotten regular fries and also been a, a, a fucking evil Nazi al alcoholic because that, those are the kinds of people that eat ketchup. But like, I'm just so upset. Like, she didn't even ask me. And... So I tweeted about it. I said, you know, here, here I am at this restaurant. The server just left a bottle of ketchup. I feel threatened. What should I do? And and you're just being so cute here, badass Lord Tipsy. You're just being so adorable. I just want to pinch your little cheeks because here you are saying, oh, what a great server. She's probably a huge fan of the show. You should give her a big tip. You know what I gave her? Nothing. 
no, it's not true. I'm, I, I was a server for eight years. I would, I would never do that. But y- you know what I did do? I fumed about it on social media and smiled to her face when she asked me how everything was, like a normal human being. And God damn am I pissed about it. But thank you for writing in the, nonetheless, badass Lord Tipsy. Uh, Adam Ziso writes in again this week and says, Cats are awesome. The medium is amazing. And, it's, and my recommendation for alcohol is Bailey's on the rocks. Have a nice day. Well, thank you for writing in with that. Cats cats are awesome. I've, I've always been, you know, I've always been, you know, growing up, there's always the I'm a cat person, I'm a dog person, which one are you? And I used to kind of fall victim to that whole like pick a side thing, the whole the holy uh the whole kind of binary of it, the the po- the po- the political spectrum of of pet loving, you know, if you will. And I, I'm I've kind of come around to like what a stupid notion that is that you gotta be like a cat or a dog person. Yes, I love dogs. I've always wanted a dog, but you know what? My little Lala, my little kitty girl, she is so adorable and so special, and I love her in every single way. So like I don't I don't give a shit what kind of person I am or like what kind of pet I lean towards this cat is here she's in my life she's super amazing and I love her anyway so cats are awesome Adam Z so thank you for letting us know that and I'm glad you're enjoying the medium and I've never had Bailey well I I think I've had Bailey's I don't know I know it's like the chocolatey sweet dessert kind of kind of liquor I've never actually had it but I'm glad you're enjoying it and I hope you have a nice day as well Mr. Miggy comes in here with a big old comment saying congrats on the little kitty just go easy on her uh, if she decides to go on top or lay near your consoles. She's she's allowed to go wherever the hell she pleases. So, well, speaking of kitty, she just got scared that I slammed my fist on the on the uh, desk, and now she's run off somewhere. All right. Anyway, uh, four hours of reading comments actually sounds like a treat. It'll help me even more get through the workday. Work keeps me active, so since I'm delivering hundreds of packages, but it doesn't f- uh, fill my need to pump iron. Hopefully, soon I'll get a diet that diet aspect under control, so the fat will literally just melt off thanks to work also lately i just want to say episode 9 was the funniest star wars movie just seeing palpatine return for no reason and become overpowered is hilarious it, it is it is funny mr miggy it's super uncalled for literally nothing about the series was building up to that it was entirely unwarranted it wasn't a subversion of ex- expectations it was just lazy forced writing to please stupid shitty fanboys who feel entitled to everyone else's happiness and enjoyment but we won't get into that because I said we're done with the Star Wars talk here. So, but let me say something, Mister Miggy. Let me and let this sound hypocritical because I'm over here talking about trying to control my calorie intake, trying to shave a few pounds. But when I was a server, when I worked in restaurants, I would just run around the restaurant all fucking night, back and forth, kitchen tables, kitchen to tables, kitchen to tables, bar, kitchen to tables. And man, I, I'd get like twelve thousand steps in a night. I'd work till midnight. I'd ride the train home, just running around Atlanta trying to get home and everything. And I always thought I was like, wow, I'm so physically active at my job. It's uh, maybe I'll, I should just lose a bunch of weight from all this physical activity. No, I never fucking did. So I don't mean to burst your bubble, and I hope this is the case for you that that you are able to lose weight just simply by doing your your physically intensive job. But like, man, oh man, like what the? How is that fucking fair? That you can have one of those jobs where you're just like physically active, running around, physically exhausting yourself. And then you sit down at the end of the night and you're just like, ah, I should check my weight. You get on the scale and it just says fat ass. And you're like, what the hell? So, I don't know. I just want to say that. But, Mr. Miggy, thank you for enjoying the show. And no, you're not getting four, hour, four hours of comments. I don't I don't think anyone deserves that. And, and not in a good way. I think no one deserves that like in a... I don't even know what I'm saying. Anyway, RKCC... Cruiser or Ruser says, what are your top three favorite rides at Disney World? 
God damn it. You know what? I, I get every single time someone asks a question about theme parks or Disney World or something like that, I get I get like a, a dual sense of like like half giddy because I'm like, ooh, someone wants to talk about Disney World because I have like no one in my life I get to talk to about theme parks. So this is really exciting for me. But also I get really insecure that like people are starting to turn off the show because like I came here for Xbox, not this stupid pussy ass X Disney World, this Mickey Mouse bullshit. I'll get your Daphne Duck out of my face. So I always get a little nervous that, you know, people skip ahead a minute. God damn it. I just want to talk about Disney for a minute. Thank you. RKCC Ruser for allowing me a platform to talk about Disney World. I always, I always knew I'd disguise a video game podcast as a as an opportunity to talk about theme parks. Top three favorite rides at Disney World. Number ride, number one favorite ride, or I'm gonna I'm gonna change ride the word ride to attractions because I don't like to think of rides like when I think of rides I think of like roller coasters. When I think of attractions I think about like things to do or see in the park. So let me broaden that a little bit. You say what are your favorite uh, three favorite attractions at Disney World? it's it's so hard it'd be so much easier if you broke it down park by park but man my number one has always been carousel progress at magic kingdom that show like like despite how like just old and unkept and and dated and in dire need of some tlc as that ride is it is just such an inspirational ride to me like that ride always kind of puts a tear in my eye and makes me feel just like i don't know just hopeful as someone who's generally just pretty like dire and in and, and down about everything in the world, that ride makes me feel so like it makes it just makes me feel so optimistic and hopeful. And it's a it's a real great callback to my childhood. It's just the most memorable experience I have in a Disney theme park from my from my youth. And I I always see Carousel Progress when I go to Magic Kingdom. It's just one of my all time favorites. So that's definitely my number one. Number two, I would probably say Spaceship Earth over at Epcot. Similar reasons uh, for why I love carousel progress it's just such a beautiful inspiring attraction tells a great story and and really just i feel like it's i I, that's what i love about disney when disney's at their best you go on a you you go on an attraction you walk away feeling like inspired to go like change the world rather than just being like oh i was entertained for four minutes while i was on that ride so spaceship earth is probably my number two it's such a fucking awesome ride but my number three i'm gonna go ahead and pick a, a like a ride ride like a roller coaster i'd say space mountain space mountain is just I'm a really big coaster enthusiast or I mean like when it comes to like not just Disney but theme parks in general I'm really into roller coasters um but no roller coaster will ever be as special to me as Space Mountain like Walt Disney World's rickety ass break your back old ass uh Space Mountain I think is just such a timeless amazing roller coaster and like even though that ride is just so old and so beat up and so so dire need of some uh, refurbishment and some modernization at the same time. It's just so incredibly, I I, I don't know, like tra- immersive and transformative, uh, kind of like what we were talking about with video games. It's just so immersive. Every time I'm on that ride, it's like, it's so, it's so believable that like you just, you left the world behind and launched into space. It really, everything about the lighting and everything. I'm a real sucker for like dark neon color space, you know, like low lighting kind of shit and everything about Space Mountain appeals to me in that way. It's just such a, you know, small, tight corner, claustrophobic kind of just like neon music, multi-sensory aesthetic kind of stimulating experience. And it's just so incredible to me. And I, I really love Space Mountain. So maybe three kind of generic answers because I think a lot of Disney fans might mention those kinds of rides, especially Carousel or Spaceship Earth. But 
and you know space mountain being like one of the quintessential disney rides but you know they're beloved for reasons because they're fucking awesome if we're talking like more modern attractions at, at maybe like expedition everest i fucking love expedition everest the 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 roller coaster over at disney's animal kingdom i don't know don't ask me these questions i, I just want to talk about them forever but yeah that, those are my three favorites. And let's round out with some some final comments. We got our last two here. Emmanuel Pereira comes back and says, just finished the medium last night, I must say. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Never played any game by Bluebird team before, so I went in blind. Story is great, and the visuals range from fantastic to PS2 quality. The fixed camera angles look a bit take a bit take a bit of getting used to. I found myself trying to move the camera with the right stick, even though I still um, don't think it's the first true next-gen Series X game. I do think it's really good and definitely worth a playthrough, especially on Game Pass. I was wondering if you had a chance to play it yet and what your thoughts are on it. I was going to say this for the what I've been playing, but I guess I'll just get into it now because this is a pretty good question with some great details. Yeah, I've only played like the first hour and a half of the medium. I really thought this past weekend, I was like, you know, I have a three-day weekend. I'm probably going to play through all of Cyber Shadow and all of the medium. And then it, that just didn't happen. You know, I, I like, like I'm really... I'm one of those, like, I'm like a four-year-old with my hobbies or, or my the things I like to do. Like, I've been in a pretty big Xbox mood lately. I've been enjoying spending all my free time just in front of the TV playing my Xbox. But this past weekend, I went I, I had, I went out with a friend. We went to Animal Kingdom at Disney World and Hollywood Studios. We spent the whole day kind of playing around at Disney. And it was just one of those days where, like, just the right sensory... I don't know the right, the right things just like hit my nostalgia that I was like, Oh yeah, I love these parks so much. And ever since then, I've been kind of in a big theme park mood all of a sudden this past week. So it's been one of those weeks where it's like, Oh, I want to go play my Xbox ad, but I, I kind of rather just like sit in bed and watch YouTube videos about like the history of this obscure Disney resort that no one gives a shit about because that's just kind of what I'm feeling right now. So I, I kind of, put all the video games on the back burner. And I guess I'm only saying all that to let you know that I didn't make it as far into the medium as I anticipated making it. Um, but from what I did play the first like hour and a half of the game, I'll say I definitely didn't expect this to be my kind of game. And it's not, it's not typically my kind of game, but I, I am enjoying the medium and I want to see it through the end. I'm, I'm interested in the story. I find the characters interesting. I find the setting really cool and I want to, I want to see where things are going. I like that the puzzles are, you know, like interesting and fun but not like stupid. I can't figure out what to do here kind of puzzles. And I'm just, I'm just enjoying the game, you know, kind of at my really slow pace. Um, but yes, a hundred percent. I agree with you. The visuals are not like groundbreaking something to write home about. This is a far cry from like the console selling next gen. This is why you bought a series X kind of game. And I don't think people were like really touting this game as that, but I think it was more so getting attention just because it was, the only console exclusive for Xbox Series X, not because it was the most groundbreaking or next-gen looking game. But yeah, I definitely agree. It's like this game seemed to be getting a lot of attention almost around this idea that it was like a true next-gen experience, and that's just simply not the case. Um, you know, ACG over on YouTube keeps making the point about this game. He's like, you know, they keep saying like this game couldn't have been done on like previous generation hardware, and it's a total lie because we've been doing split screen on games like Halo for years and years, so this whole like rendering two worlds thing is, is a gimmick, you know, that they say it can only run on next gen. I don't know how much I believe that because I'm like, well, maybe running these two worlds like this, this like underworld and this regular world simultaneously is different from like rendering like a, a split screen multiplayer game where it's like you're running two versions of the same thing. So I don't know, but 
I, I'm, I've kind of become more and more mindful of like, I can't imagine that this game really couldn't run on like a regular Xbox one, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not technically inclined enough to really speak to that, but yeah, I mean, it's a good game. It's a fine game. It's a great game pass offer, but it's not like gonna, you know, it's not the reason to own an Xbox series X. It's not groundbreaking by any means, but it's definitely, I think, especially as a game pass title, it's definitely worth the, seems to be like a five hour game. It's definitely worth the, the weekend or whatever it takes to play through the game. For sure, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Definitely planning on getting back to it soon. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It seems like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people are trying to hate on it and saying the game wasn't reviewing well, but I feel like it got overall like pretty decent reception. Seems like it's an overall thumbs up, nothing groundbreaking, not game of the year by any means, but definitely a good time, so I don't know. Then lastly, my brother says, the initiative is working on, on KOTOR. If the initiative is working on KOTOR, that would be a lot cooler than Perfect Dark. I don't think the initiative is the right team for KOTOR. I think Microsoft has far better studios for KOTOR, but that's fine. You go ahead and say that. But that's going to do it for all of our comments, shouts, whatever from this week. Don't be shy, guys. Remember, next week, don't be shy. Reply. And actually, one more thing to that. Please review the show on iTunes. Remember, I don't have an Apple product anymore, so I don't have a way of checking the iTunes reviews. But please review the show on iTunes so we can grow the show. The more we can grow the show, the more YouTube subscribers I can get, the, the, the more I can monetize you and try to get sponsors and be like, yo guys, you know what's cool? The Taco Bell drive through and all the jokes we make here on Xbox On. Remove sunglasses. But let me tell you all about ExpressVPN. And then you'll be like, oh shit, this guy. And I got to skip 45 seconds of the podcast. Oh shit, I skipped too far and I got to go back 15 seconds because I don't know what he's talking about now because I skipped too, hard, too fast to go through the ad. So please, please rate and review the show. And with that said... I'm now going to tell you all about what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, i got to tell you about what I've been eating. So yeah, I'm still calorie counting, so I haven't been having too much fun with the food thing. But I will say, I was going through all my favorite fast food restaurants, like their apps, their mobile apps, and just looking at their menus and seeing what their calorie count are on like a lot of my favorite dishes to see, like, is there any fast food I could fit into my diet that wouldn't just like destroy my calorie count for the day? And it turns out, you know, first of all, Burger King, fuck you, Burger King. Burger King's like, oh, yeah, one combo, that's like 1,800 calories, bye. That's like the one and only thing you can eat for the day. Fuck that. But I was looking through Taco Bell, and Taco Bell is surprisingly not bad. If you go for, like, the specialty items, like the like the quesaritos and things like that, yeah, it gets rough. But, like, if we're just talking, like, a Taco Bell, like, soft taco, like a regular taco or something like that, Taco Bell's pretty good, man. Like, man, like the soft chicken taco supremes are like 190 calories each. You could eat a couple of those and call it a meal. Like, and it's not destroying your calorie count for the day. So I just want to say shout out to Taco Bell for not only being the best fast food restaurant, but for also just being the most calorie conscious, uh, conscious restaurant out there. So shout out to my boys at the T-Bell. Now, what I've been playing, we already went through the medium, so I, I guess I'll skip that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've, I haven't been touching games as much as I thought I would over the past week. Sorry, I just had to stop for like 15 minutes to go try and help my cat who decided to poop on the carpet and then we had to clean up after her Then we tried to put her cold medicine in her nose and she hissed at us and hid and freaked the fuck out. So I guess she's just going to sit there in the corner now and not get her medicine because she's being extremely difficult, which is concerning and annoying, but bad baby. So now she's hiding under the desk. She's super pissed off and scared. And I think she might attack me, but that's okay. We'll, we'll press on anyway. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah. So medium, blah, blah, blah. 
that's where I am with that. Now, last week I was also talking about, you know, how Cyber Shadow is really, really great. I'm really enjoying the hell out of that game. But I got to tell you, so I'm I'm like a little over halfway through the game, maybe. I don't know, maybe like 60, 70% through the game at this point. And I'm starting to question whether or not I want to finish playing the game because... As I mentioned last week, the game has completely odd gamer score. Every single achievement in this game is odd gamer score. And when I first started the game, I thought it was going to be one of those games where it's like, you know, if you're just doing a simple playthrough, you're lucky if you get two achievements, three achievements. It's stingy with its gamer score. But what I'm realizing is it's actually pretty pretty fair or medium with its gamer score. I feel like I'm getting like an achievement or two per level. So this is my concern is, I got enough achievements that now my achievement score is even again. I, I'm not odd. There's enough like 16 gamer score achievements that I'm back to a regular gamer score. But if I go ahead and finish the last 30% of the game le- that I have left, what I'm afraid of happening is that I'll I'll beat the game. I'll get like my achievement for being the game the last few, few levels or whatever. And then I'll have an odd gamer score that I can't fix. So Literally, the I'm so pissed about the odd gamer score thing and, and the awful achievement system this game has that it's making me not want to go back and finish the game, and that's really annoying because it's otherwise a really really great game. And I know it sounds so silly, but like it just bugs me that much. I I might not finish the game, so that's where I am with Cyber Shadow. But you know, if if you go ahead and you buy Cyber Shadow on your PlayStation or your Switch or whatever, you're gonna love the game. It's great. But if you get on the Xbox. Be prepared, whoever, the the maker of the, the creator of this game who decided to fuck us all over with the shitty-ass achievements that he designed, uh, just wants us to all go fucking nuts, so just be mindful of that if you're, if you're normal and you're, and you're worried about bad achievements, so, uh, there's that, and then once I finish those games, I'm hoping to get to Yakuza 3, because all the new Yakuza games are on Game Pass, and then also tomorrow, the day this show goes live, Thursday, the new Zombies map drops for free on Black Ops Cold War, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that in a minute. Other than that, that's that's what I've been playing. Um, with that said, guys, let's just go ahead and jump right into the news. All right, guys, so all of our news this week brought to you by the old Windows Central, with the exception of one or two here. Our first one from Windows Central here is a big one, one I'm really excited about. It says, we've known that the historically PlayStation-exclusive MLB franchise was going multi-platform per an extension of the MLB deal with Sony Interactive Entertainment that was announced back in December 2019. Now the next entry of the yearly baseball franchise has been revealed um, with Fernando uh, Tatis Jr. as the cover star. MLB The Show 21 is coming to PS5, PS4, and Xbox One and Series X and S. Uh, by developer Sony San Diego as part of Sony Worldwide Studios. This is the first game under the PlayStation Studios brand uh, to be published on a non-PlayStation platform. It supports full cross-play and cross-platform progression. Uh, you'll be able to play with your friends no matter what platform they are on, and your progression and your progression uh, carries over with no issues. It's worth noting also that there's no upgrade p- path for the game. So if you buy it on PS4 or Xbox One, you can't upgrade to the PS5 or Xbox Series X version. Uh, MLB The Show 21 is currently set to release on April 20th, 2021, and there's also a, uh, a deluxe edition, all that available as well. So this one. 
obviously a huge story. This was one of the first really big stories we were talking about back in the early days of Xbox on. So it's kind of crazy to think like, wow, we're already here where the game's coming to Xbox. So I, I don't know why it just feels like that was really, really fast. But yeah, I mean, here we are. So for those who need to catch up, because I saw a lot of people just on the internet spreading misinformation about why this game is coming to Xbox. No, this is not, you know, to put the rumors and the, and the speculation to bed. No, this is not Microsoft desperately paying Sony a bunch of money because they're desperate for exclusives. No, this is not PlayStation throwing Xbox a bone because they realize their console shit and has no no good games. No, this is not uh, PlayStation thinking about going multi-platform and realizing that they're missing out on all this money by not being on Xbox. This is simply a matter of the MLB went to Sony and said, hey, it's time to renew your contract, but here's the deal. We're missing out on all this fucking money that that we could be making because you make this baseball game. It sells really, really well. People love it, and you lock it exclusively to your PlayStation brand. The MLB is not console loyal. The MLB is money loyal. So they're going, hey, you either make a version of this game that can also be on other platforms like Xbox so we can all make more money, or we're going to take our license and give it to someone else who will do that. Probably like an EA or someone like that. So very obviously what happened here was Sony says, yes, we would like to continue to keep the MLB the show license. It makes us shit tons of money. And yes, if that's our only option, I guess we'll put it on Xbox if that's what we have to do to keep the fucking franchise and to keep the MLB license. So that's really all this is a story of. There's no real secret underground ulterior motive, some weird conspiracy theory. It's really just that simple. The MLB wants more money out of this fran- out of the MLB video game license, and they told PlayStation, if you're not going to put it in all the places where people are playing games, then we'll find someone else who will. And so that's really all this is. And quite frankly, I'm super grateful to the MLB for doing this because Xbox has sorely needed a good simulation baseball game for so, so long. And, you know, you think about, like, football and hockey and all these other sports where, like, EA has the license. And EA, of course, makes multi-platform games. So you're in luck if you're a football fan or a basketball fan or a hockey fan because those games are from EA and they're multi-platform. You can play them on everything. But if you're a baseball fan like myself, you're kind of fucked because it's like, oh, you like baseball and Xbox? Sucks to be you. I guess you got to buy PlayStation. And that's always been the case. And Sony San Diego, you know, does a great job with this show. It's a really phenomenal game. I would I would say the show is just from a quality perspective, you know, best probably the best sports simulator game on the market. It's it's just a phenomenal game and it's one of the one of the reasons I own a PlayStation, you know, it's it's again one of those Sony exclusives that's like, well fuck, I can't not have a PlayStation. But just knowing, you know, knowing how sports games are kind of like a more casual multiplayer pick up and play platform type game and less of a one and done like God of War Uncharted experience has always made me kind of sad because it's like I don't want a continued experience on my PlayStation. PlayStation is like where I go to play the one and done story games. I hate that MLB isn't something I can just like casually play like Halo or Call of Duty on my Xbox. And this resolves all of that. So I know this is kind of a highly specific thing because it's like not all Xbox gamers care about baseball, not all baseball people give a shit about Xbox, but I am the perfect crossbreed where this actually matters because Xbox is my preferred place to play games and MLB is like the only fucking professional sport I follow. I love baseball. So this is really, really exciting for me and I assume it is for a lot of other ones out there. I know I saw a lot of people this week celebrating um, this along with some other sports news that we'll get into in a little bit, but I mean, this is crazy. You can look at the box art. 
I mean, it, it's an Xbox game that says Sony PlayStation on it. It, it. Like, you go to the PlayStation's Twitter, and they're tweeting about their new game that's coming to Xbox. You go to Xbox Wire, and you see the announcement post about this game, and they're talking about how PlayStation's bringing this game over to Xbox. It's a crazy fucking, like, alternate reality we're living in here, where PlayStation and Xbox are, you know, forcibly playing nice with each other for, for this one game. And it's just... So, so crazy, especially in a world where it wouldn't be too crazy. Like, no one would think too much of it if if Microsoft were the one playing nice with Sony. But the fact that Sony having to play nice with Microsoft is just so incredibly odd to see. But a very welcome kind of odd. So, I'm super excited this about this. There's not really much else to say to it other than, like, yeah, we're getting a PlayStation game on Xbox in a couple months. How, how do you like them apples, bitch? Uh, but yeah, to all those who are saying like this is a trend or this is a conspiracy or maybe something's coming up here, no, you're not getting any Un- Uncharted or Last of Us or God of War or Spider-Man on your Xbox. That's not fucking happening. This is clearly because the MLB and nothing else. So it's for that very specific reason this is happening, but nonetheless, I'm very grateful it is. Also just grateful for Xbox gamers in general that now they're going to have a good baseball game to play and they don't have to subject themselves to that awful RBI baseball bullshit that we've had in recent years. So looking forward to April 20th for that. Our next story here uh, says that at the Game Awards, Microsoft's new studio, The Initiative, founded in 2018 under uh, Daryl Gallier, uh, revealed that it was working on a reboot of Perfect Dark. While the team at the initiative is continuing to grow as they work on the ambitious title, one of the prominent developers is stepping down. Design director Drew Murray, who joined back in 2018, announced via Twitter that he's stepping down from the initiative. Murray previously worked at Insomniac Games on on titles like Sunset Overdrive, Resistance Fall of Man, Ratchet & Clank. You can read Drew Murray's statement on Twitter. Uh, He says, Basically, he talks about how uh, it's it's been the op- it, a dream job for him. It's the opportunity of a lifetime, but he has to step away for personal reasons. He cites he cites uh, the silver lining being how uh, he'll get to enjoy the game as a fan. Blah blah blah. Um, but so this is this is I was reading the tweet. I follow him on Twitter, and I w- I was reading Drew's tweet, and like the first part of the tweet, I was like, oh God, what's the story behind this one? And then immediately he addresses it, and basically you know says. There's uh, some personal reasons in his family, and he needs to be able to be available and make time for his family. So obviously something personal happened, and and you know my first instinct, in, in or my first reaction from that is, you know, wishing him and his family the best and hoping that everything's all right. You know, usually you don't step away from a position like this for family reasons unless it's something pretty unfortunate. So I I'm really hoping that I'm somehow wrong. I hope it's something like he and his spouse had a baby and now they're awesome and they're being parents and life's great but you never know what it actually is and and for that reason just obviously we won't speculate or prod on this one because someone says hey i'm leaving this dream job because my family needs me right now and i'm going through some stuff you just you don't ask questions and you just respect it so for drew i'm wishing you and your family the absolute best hope that whatever you guys are going through that it is as quick and painless as possible and something that ends up making you stronger and in, in, in helping you, you know, I don't know, become a better person long run. I don't, I don't really know what to say. Obviously this is a shitty time and this is a very personal matter that's been made public as a result of this. And I just wish you and your family all the privacy and, and, uh, and time to heal as possible that you may need for whatever the situation may be. Um, with that said, you know, just from the perspective of like what this means for perfect dark and what this means for the initiative, 
This is a massive blow. Uh, Drew Murray, of all the big names, you know, they were getting big talent from Insomniac and Sony Santa Monica and Naughty Dog and all these massive, really well-regarded Sony game development studios uh, that make PlayStation games. And of all the major talent acquisitions they got, Drew Murray was the one I was personally most excited about uh, because I'm a huge, as I've said many times on the show before, I'm a massive Insomniac fan. I love the Ratchet and Clank games. I love, love, love Sunset Overdrive. Resistance is a great game. Um, Drew Murray had a massive hand in Sunset Overdrive. In fact, he's like one of the villains in the DLC. It's like really fucking funny. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it, damn, it's, it's such a good... I mean, the, Insomniac is such a great developer, and he's played such an integral role in some of these phenomenal games. And I was just so pumped and excited to have him on Team Xbox, to be working on an Xbox console exclusive, to see what he could do in a new role at a new studio and bring to the Xbox community. So I was super pumped about that. And clearly, you know, his departure and his joining the initiative probably had a lot to do with building good relationships with Team Xbox. Um, over the development period of Sunset Overdrive and things like that. So I was really, really excited for what that meant for the initiative and what that meant for Xbox. But obviously, there are more important things in this world than video games. There are more important things than fanboys and console wars and all that. And and so I'm definitely wishing Drew and his family the absolute best in all, in all of this situation that, that they found themselves in. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just... This is a massive blow. He's a real big creative talent. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen more of his hand all over this project. But keep in mind, even though Perfect Dark isn't like super far along in development, this guy has, you know, he's been with the studio since its inception. So I'm hoping that, especially because he was in a pretty big role as a design director, that he's already left enough of an impact on the studio and and, 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 in the foundation of Perfect Dark to where, you know, some of his talent in in leadership has worn off on the initiative and has will will reflect in this game. You know, I mean it's 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 so hard to to know if that's true or not, you know, by the time we're playing the game, I won't be able to I'm not some fucking savant. I won't sit down with the controller and be like, "Ah, yes, closing my eyes and feeling the analog sticks and be like, this is a very Drew Murray uh, uh level we're experiencing here." Like that's just not going to happen, but uh, I, I I do hope that, you know, what time he was able to give to the initiative somehow wears off and leaves some kind of uh, direction and, and, and uh, influence on the team over the initiative. And who knows, maybe one day he'll be able to come back and rejoin the initiative and resume his role or take on a new role or be a part of this in some way. So let, let's, uh you know, let's not rule that out. So again just to wrap it up wishing drew and his family the absolute best sorry for whatever it is going on with uh in his personal life um but you know just wishing him the best and we'll have to see how things go now with the initiative losing a really key integral uh uh member of the team next up from ign uh, for the first time since 2013's ncaa football 2014 EA Sports is returning to the college football scene. Announced on Twitter via small tease that says, quote, college football is coming back, EA revealed it will be partnering with the CLC, the nation's leading collegiate trademark licensing company, to become the exclusive developer of of a simulation college football video game. The EA Sports college football franchise garnered tens of millions of sales during its run from 05 to 2014 and was top five sports titles in North America back in the day. EA Sports College Football will include the rights to more than 100 institutions featuring logos, stadiums, uniforms, game day traditions, and more that fans have come to know. 
EA does note that while the college game will will not include student-athlete names, images, and likenesses, EA Sports is continuing to watch those developments closely. Uh, no further information was given on the reboot of the franchise, but EA encourages fans to follow at EA Sports College on Twitter for more info and updates in the future. Listeners may remember that back in 2013, the NCAA decided not to renew the EA Sports contract over the ongoing legal issues regarding the use of player names and likenesses in the game. EA struck a three-year deal, though, with the CLC continuing making college football games following the loss of the NCAA license, but many of the big conferences, including the SEC, decided against licensing their trademarks for use in EA Sports games, which contributed to the eventual cancellation. So this is really interesting, because basically... So, I mean, first of all, much like how the show coming to Xbox is big news in the sports world, this is big news in the sports world. And I'm sorry to a lot of you, I know this is like, hey, I'm I'm a gamer, I don't play sports, I play games. Sorry, this is what's happening in the news right now. And, And even though I personally am not a football fan, I don't know anything about football, I don't follow football, I I know this is a massive game. In fact, I remember in 2013 when I was working at Stony River Legendary Stakes in Duluth, Georgia. I just remember like being a dumbass high schooler, wiping tables and shit. And I just like I remember distinctively overhearing a table like bitching and moaning about how this game wasn't going to be coming out anymore over this. And I remember just like the IGN podcast I used to listen to back then talking about it and just it just seemed like a big conversation in the game sphere that that this game wasn't coming out anymore. And I I know people were really, really bummed about this because, you know, to all of our international listeners, college football is fucking massive here. I don't, I don't personally understand why, and I'm not trying to take that away or diminish that for anyone, but for, you know, we have, we have pro sports and then like your double A or your college sports. For some reason, Football is the one ex- the one exception where everyone likes the lesser version. Like when it comes to baseball, no one gives a shit about minor league baseball. They all love major league baseball. When it comes to basketball, people are like kind of into college basketball, but like mostly it's like NBA, right? But for some reason with football, I don't know what it is. I used to think it was a Southeast United States thing, but it seems like it's just a US thing in general. For some reason with football, it's complete flip. Like people like there's the NFL, which is like the actual official professional football league. And then there's like the NCAA or whatever, which is like the college football uh, thing. And people just go nuts for college football. I don't know what it is, but like college football is like it. it people are like way more passionate about it than they are with the NFL. I, I don't know why, but that just is what it is. So this was a really beloved series and a really lucrative series for EA. So it was kind of a massive blow when it was like, yeah, this game actually isn't going to be a thing anymore uh, back when that was announced. Basically what was happening was, you know, rightfully so, the CLC or whoever it is that, that was in charge of this, again, I'm not educating college football, so it's hard for me to speak to it on full authority. But basically what it was was there was a lot of controversy being drummed up over the fact that it's like, hey guys, so like these college football players aren't allowed to make money but like we can make games where like we have the players in the games and the players likenesses and the player stats and information and we can sell it for $60 and the NCAA can make money off of it and EA can make money off of it and the colleges can make money off of it. But the players, the students that actually play the game can't make money off of any of this. So 
it became like this whole controversy of like, hey, you need to pay college football athletes or college sports athletes if you're going to be making video games about them and all this shit. So it became this whole controversy and it eventually resulted in basically the collapse of this whole thing. Um, but what's interesting here is EA saying, hey, we're still not going to be able to use player names or player likenesses. So it's going to be like generic football players. But what they will be able to do is use like logos, stadiums, uniforms. So it'll still be like, I, I like I don't know what's a college football team. I went to Georgia. I, I, I'm from Georgia. So like the the Georgia Bulldogs versus the uh, fucking Clemson Tigers. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's NFL or college. I'm not even trying to be be cute. I just actually don't know. Oh here, Florida Gators. There's like the Florida Gators versus the the Georgia Bulldogs, and they'll be able to use the teams, the jerseys, the stadiums, and make all of that like any other sports game. But they won't be able to use the actual players themselves. So. I still think that's kind of a blow, you know, like in the sense that I think player players will will be like, ah, that's not quite the full experience. But I think it's much better than not having the game at all. And it's much better than not being able to have any kind of licensing. So it's cool that they're able to bring this game back in some capacity. Uh, but at the same but at the same time, it's like I, I, I think almost this game maybe just shouldn't be coming back until you can work out a thing where you can just get the players properly in the game and get them some money, which I, I know it's like a whole controversy over like, should college athletes be able to profit off, you know, whatever games when like the universities and shit are making so much money off these kids. So I don't know. That's a different conversation for a different podcast, but nonetheless, EA sports college football game uh, is coming back. And that's a huge, huge deal uh, at least for the sales of sports video games and for the many, many sports video game players out there who may or may not be listening to the show right now. I like to think you're all listening to the show, so whatever. Oh, sorry, one last thing I want to say about the NCAA football game coming back is they announced it via Twitter, and knowing how EA likes to announce games now, like the way they announced the new Mass Effect, the way they announced the new Skate, the way they announced the new Dragon Age, just keep your expectations in check. This game might not be coming out for a few more years. EA really loves the idea of like, hey, uh, I was taking a dump on my toilet the other night, and I thought, how cool would it be if we made another Mass Effect game? So I called up my friend and was like, hey, how cool would it be if we made another a Mass Effect game? And he said, yeah, it'd be cool if we made another Mass Effect game. And then they're like, so we're formally announcing a new Mass Effect game. And it's like, oh, cool. So how far along in development is is it? And, and they're just like, oh, well, uh, let's see. I was on the toilet having that shit, what was that, two nights ago? Uh, and we had that phone call the next day, so that was yesterday. Uh, so it's about a day into development. So that's usually EA's kind of approach to this shit. Um, so I'm going to take that same kind of approach, or that same expectation with this game. Now, I'm sure it's easier to churn this game out because they probably just use the Madden engine and everything and just build a different version of Madden and call it NCAA football, whatever. So I'm sure it won't take as many years as like a new Mass Effect game, but I'm not expecting this to be out like this year or anything. Like I give it a few years before we probably see it, just knowing EA and how they like to announce games before they even really thought about them. So that now continuing on with EA, our next story says Electronic Arts has shared its financial results for fiscal year quarter three, 2021. One of the highlights in, in the split of is the split of digital and physical sales, as EA reports 62% digital in the last 12 months. Apex, Apex Legends alone saw 30% year-over-year growth in players, while net booking overall for past 12 months reached $5.9 billion. EA also spoke on its ongoing acquisition of Codemasters, which, they, which they're intending to use 
to build a racing powerhouse, as they say. EA deems it a natural fit, which is clear for opportunities. EA Sports, while while EA also expects to further finalize the process on February 3rd, which has already happened as of this time. So Codemasters, as of the time you are listening to this show, is officially an EA-owned publisher, developer, whatever. Or, sorry, developer. So they're out there probably making Need for Speed or something now. Uh, during its earnings call, EA noted that EA Play is being com- being combined with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate has accelerated its growth with almost 13 million players across all platforms now on EA Play. I would love to know like the proportion of like Xbox to PC to PlayStation now since Game Pass users are getting this for free. I'm sure it's a, sh- a shit ton of people. EA also says that it has 35 games in various stages of development, including the next Battlefield, which takes full advantage of the power of next-gen consoles like Series X and S. The game also features maps of unprecedented scale with more players than ever before. This new Battlefield game is still on track to be released in holiday 2021, with EA saying that the team is actually ahead of internal milestones for development. The game focuses on an all-out military warfare indicating that's likely to return to modern times. So this is a lot. We're getting updates on Codemasters, on EA Play, Battlefield, Mass Effect, which we'll get to in a minute. So EA has a lot to say here. And I think the the big news here is that Game Pass is really helping EA Play, which is interesting because we kind of thought of this as like EA Play being a big perk for Game Pass. But obviously EA wouldn't be in on this if it weren't for the fact that they have something to gain from it as well. So it is curious. I am curious to know like, how EA was viewing the success or the business or, or the the way EA Play was being used before merging it with Game Pass, but 13 million million players across all platforms, I feel like that's a little kind of a little weak actually. Um, when you consider like Microsoft's talking about like like 18 million or whatever Game Pass subscribers, so I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Uh, but also, yeah, this Battlefield news, it shouldn't come entirely as a surprise that there's a new Battlefield this year. Uh, last time we got, let's see. We got Battlefront 2 in 2017, and then Battlefield 5 was 2018. So it's been a couple years, so it's it's about time for the next Battlefield. So that'll be a next-gen game, blah, blah, blah. Now, what I'm, what I'm curious to see is if that's going to be a next-gen exclusive. My guess is no. You'll definitely see the next Battlefield come to Xbox One and PS4, uh, but it would be really ballsy of them to make it Series X and PS5 exclusive. But... We'll have to take we'll have to keep our eyes out for that. We'll probably learn more about that around June when they do like an EA Play live event for for E3 time. Now, keeping with EA, because there's just more and more EA, next we get after months of rumors and speculation, Mass Effect Legendary Edition has been announced uh, for November a release date. Mass Effect Legendary Edition has been announced for a release date of May 14th, 2021. Across all platforms, textures have been reworked over, and over 40 DLC packs are included, with the extended cut endings now being the default ending. While the promo weapons and armors among the DLCs added, uh, while those D- among those DLCs are added, everything is filed under a single launcher. While fans of Mass Effect 3, Femme Shepard, will be happy to know that she's now the default female appearance for all three games. BioWare has done additional work to unify the three games with better UI and controls for the first Mass Effect, as well as new character creation options through the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer 
Although Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, unfortunately, is not coming with the package. When Mass Effect Legendary Edition releases, it'll be available on Series X, Series S, Xbox One, and PC. It's enhanced for higher-end consoles, running at 4K 60fps on Xbox Series X. The next Mass Effect game is a long ways off, because again, EA likes to announce games shortly after having a shit where they think about the game on the toilet. But the team is apparently comprised of... uh, veteran Bioware developers and we'll probably learn about that in a very very long time but for now we got Mass Effect Legendary Edition with all three original Mass Effect games coming under one package on May 14th so finally a release date for this obviously we kind of knew all this information for the most part with that with you know with little tidbits here and there kind of coming along with this announcement 4k 60 fps being the target on Series X it's pretty good I'm kind of tempted to buy this because I still never played the Mass Effect games and really want to. But when I started Mass Effect 1, what was it, like a year ago or six months ago, I really wanted to get into it and I didn't get into it. I wonder if making it shiny new would be enough to pull me in, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have to wait for like a sale or an EA Play sale or something like that. I don't know. But nonetheless, you stupid nerdy ass Mass Effect fans, you're getting your Mass Effect Legendary Edition on May 14th, 2021, so your time is coming very, very soon. And then our last story, our wrap-up story of the week is, again, coming from Windows Central. Bleeding Edge was a fascinating game that Microsoft and story developer Ninja Theory built, uh, built uh, borrowing heavily from games like Overwatch. While the game had a ton of potential, it severely lacked content at launch. Ninja Theory never quite delivered on the promised uh, promise of future support either, and now it looks like Bleeding Edge will never live up to its potential. The Bleeding Edge team announced today that the game will no longer receive further content updates moving forward. They said on Twitter, quote, With the studio now focusing on new projects like Senua's Saga, Project Mara, and the Insight Project, we have decided that there will be no further content updates for Bleeding Edge. The game is still playable on Xbox and PC. Thank you, fans, for and keep teaming up in casual chaos. Bleeding Edge will continue to be playable on Xbox and PC, so players can continue to enjoy the game. However, we'll no longer get any more content on the game, so there is that. And this one surprises me a grand total of 0%. This game is about a year old now. I think it came out last March, last February, March. Dude, Bleeding Edge sucks. I'm sorry. L- listen, man, I love Xbox. This whole podcast is about how I love Xbox. But I gotta, I gotta be honest and 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 rip on Xbox where they need to. I I appreciate that Microsoft is like, hey, you want to have a smaller team of developers make this little spinoff multiplayer game, whatever. You go ahead and explore that avenue, see if it works for you guys. But a part of me is also like, don't don't fucking waste time and money on this shit. Just make them work on the next Hellblade. Get that shit out the door. We don't need this little Overwatch knockoff that's like three years too late and. Over, uh, Bleeding Edge came out and I tried to give it a fair shake I played it a decent amount and I, I know some people liked it and I'm glad that they did but man oh man I did not like Bleeding Edge I thought that game was total boring crap I just the more and more I think about that game the more I'm like I I can't even I can't even feign any kind of in- enthusiasm or excitement for that game it's just not not a good game or at least not my kind of game but the fact that they're kind of basically just abandoning it after just a year tells you that that game did dick. Even though it launched into Game Pass, it was a Game Pass game from day one, free beta, all that shit. The game did not take off and it is not, you know, being remembered at all. So clearly they're just going to let that game kind of die in a corner, which is, you know, sad because obviously it's a creative project people put work and time into, but 
Also, it wasn't a very good game, and uh, I guess the market speaks for itself in this in this case. So yeah, unfortunately, Bleeding Edge is go bye bye. I think it's so weird because now Bleeding Edge just stands out as such a weird little splotch on Ninja Theory's record because they work on these games that are like so gritty and real and AAA and have groundbreaking stories. And they're continuing to work on games that deal with like issues of mental health and all that. But then somewhere in the lineup, they just have this one-off multiplayer Overwatch knockoff game where you play as like cartoon people on motorcycles and shit running around and whacking people with knockoff gravity hammers. It's just a weird, weird game for them to have under their belt. But nonetheless, I do think it's really cool that Microsoft, you know, allows these teams to have these small little spinoff studios that work on smaller projects. And we've seen it pay off. You know, we got Obsidian made Grounded. And again, Grounded isn't a game I really play a lot or enjoy too much, but Grounded is a game I at least look at and admire. I think Grounded's a really cool game and, and Grounded has been successful. So Grounded's a perfect example of how it's it's nice that Microsoft does this and there's there's merit to it because there are these smaller little hits that they can have but I don't know who the fuck ever looked at at uh, Bleeding Edge and was like, yeah, this is it. This game's going to be a, a big old hit. I can feel it now. So sorry to Ninja Theory. Sorry to the people who worked on it. I'm sorry to the fans who enjoyed playing it. But unfortunately, Bleeding Edge is ending support. And I think that is step one of uh, them basically just sunsetting the game and probably going to have a hard time finding matches at some point, And then they'll take the servers offline. But Uh, Maybe that won't be for a few years. Who knows? But that's going to be it for all of our regular news, guys. we got a couple of quick news stories to to pour through, if you will. These are the important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which we have a small handful. First one being that Forza Horizon 4 seems to be getting some Hot Hot Wheels DLC, just like Forza Horizon 3 did. Uh, As uncovered by Twitter user AR12Gaming, a six-pack featuring uh, a... Hot Wheels, two Jets, 28 Hot Wheel car, a Chevrolet, a Chevrolet LUV 1972, uh, an International Harvester 1969, a 1957 Nash Metropolitan, and some, an AM Roadster, uh, and Ford F5 Dually uh, were all found this uh, somewhere on the line on 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 the line data mined or something like that. All the cars are expected to be launched into Forza Horizon 4 soon, and they'll continue to add Hot Wheels vehicles from there. I'm hoping they add like some Hot Wheels DLC, like like tracks, kind of like they did in Forza Horizon 3. That's what I would really appreciate, but I love the idea that they're bringing some Hot Wheels cars to Forza Horizon 4. I greatly welcome that. It was one of the reasons why I kept Forza Horizon 3 on my hard drive is because I liked the Hot Wheels content, so it just makes sense, in my opinion, to continue to bring... I, I think it'd be really cool if... Every time there's a Forza Horizon game, if, you know, after a year or so, they add a Hot Wheels expansion or a Hot Wheels DLC or, you know, like, that's always like a secondary thing people can expect. I think that'd be really nice to accompany the Forza Horizon franchise or it'd just be nice to see Playground Games make an awesome Hot Wheels game. But obviously they're too busy working on Fable to do that. But nonetheless, that's that's exciting. Uh, next, Sega and Ryuga Gold. Gotoku Studio, the team behind Yakuza, I always pronounce their name wrong, have announced that the Yakuza spinoff title, Judgment, is coming to Xbox Series X and S on April 23rd, 2021. This title sees players working as a lawmaker, as a a lawyer turned detective named 
Takayuki Yagami, who investigates a sinister plot. So this game takes place in the Yakuza universe, but it's completely unrelated to other Yakuza games. I definitely plan on playing this one as well, but I want to get through the Yakuza titles first. So that's crazy. This is really exciting to me because with this, now officially every single Yakuza game is on Xbox. Everything from Zero to One through Six to Like a Dragon to Judgment. So I'm really excited that this means you, you don't got to play any PlayStation or PC or anything in order to get all of your Yakuza fix. It is all available there on Xbox. That is super exciting. Now, now next up, after several days of teasing, Sega and Creative Assembly have announced Total Warhammer 3. Uh, has a, it, It's officially announced. It's officially out there. There's no exact release date as of now, but sometime later in 2021 is the tentative date. And next up, Destiny 2 developer Bungie has announced that Season 13 of Destiny 2 has officially been titled Season of the Chosen. Additionally, the studio has also revealed a new trailer. The Season of the Chosen will begin February 9th when the Season of the Hunt ends, which I've barely put any time into, and that will run through May 11th. Season of the Chosen focuses primarily on the Cabal Empress uh, Satal Catel who seeks an alliance with Guardians but ultimately ends up fighting us due to her unrealistic terms of the alliance and lastly game pass has some games coming and going soon so let's run through the upcoming list so coming soon ghost of a tale is coming to pc on february 4th continuing with february 4th android console and pc will also be getting project winter and the falconeer february 11th final fantasy 12 the zodiac age is coming to console and pc along with Jurassic World Evolution on Android and console. Additionally, on February 11th, Stealth Inc. 2 Game of Clones is coming to Android and console, as well as Wolfenstein Youngblood coming to Android. Fuck that game. All right, and then also leaving Game Pass, on February 15th, you've got The Blob, the console version. That sucks. I kind of want to play that. Ninja Gaiden 2 console. That really sucks. Why is that happening? World of Honor, or sorry, World of Horror leaving PC. And on February 16th, Shadows of the Damned leaves EA Play slash console. Finally, in some Sonic the Hedgehog-related news, as I know you guys are always waiting on that, unfortunately, Roger Craig Smith has confirmed his departure as the voice of Sonic after 10 years voicing the iconic character. Additionally, Sega has announced that they're thinking about recasting the voice of Amy Rose, which also sucks. And lastly, and possibly most infuriating, is, is Sega has is rumored to be replacing the voice of Dr. Eggman, who's voiced by Mike Pollock, or Mike Pollock, a very, very regarded, well-regarded um, voice actor who's voiced Eggman for like 20 years or something like that at this point. So super, super disappointing news in the Sonic community. I just had to put that out there because you know I'm a big Sonic fan. But the good news with Sonic is that Netflix announced that a Sonic the Hedgehog 3D animated series called Sonic Prime has been ordered by Netflix and will premiere in 2022. So finally, we'll have a good reason to be subscribed to Netflix. And that's going to do it for all of our news of any variety, guys. Usually this is the part of the show where we go over to the Xbox Wire and talk about the new game releases of the week. This week, if you can believe it, there's only six games. I, I mean, I like seriously, six games. So the first one is Zero Quest, which is like a Sudoku puzzle. So if you like buying a $500 Xbox to play Sudoku puzzles, you can be that idiot on February 3rd. Next up is Hybroxia 2, which comes out February 3rd. Um, I've already downloaded it on my PlayStation Vita. Super excited to play it. Hybroxia is a game from Lilymo Games, which is actually owned by Colin Moriarty, a guy who I sometimes reference on the show. He's my favorite podcast 
personality host out there. I super love that guy. He hosts the PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols, and his his uh, game studio that he owns, um, Lily Mo Games, has just released Hebraxia 2. And he actually wrote the story for this game, so really excited to play it because it's a uh, it's a twin stick space shooter, and space shooters are like one of my favorite arcade genre games. So the game looks great; it's on my Vita, ready to play. I'm super excited to jump into that, and I think it's worth checking out. Only ten bucks, pretty look- good looking game. Project Winter comes out today, the day this show goes live. It's an Xbox Play Anywhere title, and it's on Game Pass. Project Winter just looks like a bunch of cold polar bears in the Arctic, so that's actually pretty sad and inhumane in my opinion and then the next game is werewolf the apocalypse earth blood comes out february 4th and is optimized for series x and s this just looks like a wolf not a werewolf this looks like a regular old wolf he's hiding under a desk chair kind of like my cat is right now and that reminds me much like these two gentlemen who are about to be attacked by this werewolf i'm a little scared that my cat's about to jump out and attack me as well because i try to put nose drops uh in her nose to make her feel better and not sneeze as much and she flipped the fuck out glittering sword is our next game comes out february 5th this friday it looks like uh one of those games you play on iphone but for some reason there's a bunch of gravestones so i guess everyone died that's sad and then Roombo first blood comes out on friday february 5th xbox one x enhanced so good for you xbox one x fuck you xbox series x this is one of those games where you play as a killer vacuum that's actually a pretty damn cool looking game but that's gonna do it for all the new games released this week guys reminder games with gold it's february so february actually has like the best games with gold lineup for a long time remember you're getting five games this month i think that was originally met with the intention that the price of gold was going to go up and then people bitched and xbox reversed it and rightfully so but hey, we got five games of gold this month, and it's a pretty damn good lineup. So real quick, you got Gears 5 for the whole month. Download that for sure. Resident Evil Remake, like OG Resident Evil. It's like a port. Available all month long, so definitely download that. You got uh, Dandara Trials of Fear Edition, available February 16th through March 15th. That one, I that's the only game I don't know what that is. Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, available for the first half of February through the 15th. It's Xbox original. It's backwards compatible. It looks really awesome. Can't wait to play that. And Lost Planet 2, uh, available February 16th through 28th, which I'm also excited to get back into. I, I like Lost Planet 1 on 360, so I'll be interested to give 2 a try. But with that said, guys, that's going to do it for our entire show this week. We actually ended uh, a little bit earlier than we usually do, about an hour and 35 minutes in. So, I, hey, I call that progress from, from my neck of the woods. That's called progress. So, with that said, guys, thank you for writing in. Remember to rate the show on iTunes. Remember to say really nice things about me. Follow me on Twitter. I won't tell you my Twitter handle because if you really want to follow me on Twitter, I think you'll be able to find me. If you don't, well, then uh, I don't know. I like playing coy. I like playing hard to get. What do you, like, what do you, what do you got against that? But, uh, guys, until next week, be sure to stay safe, bundle up, and power your dreams.
control This is what happens 